Blog Talk Radio. It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Welcome to this edition of Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone here. And today it's Saturday, July 11th. I hope you're having a fun-filled, safe, and healthy Saturday wherever you are. Actually, wherever you are listening in the whole world, just be safe and be healthy. We here in Las Vegas, like so many states and cities, have been mandated to wear our masks, especially if we are outside, and we implore you to do the same thing. It's not about political parties. It's not about any of that. It's about you and your loved ones staying safe and staying healthy. Just put it on. It's not going to hurt you. It'll harm you more if you don't wear it. Just put it like that. In fact, as I'm sitting here, I have on my mask right this minute. Yeah, I do. It's not bothering me at all. So we want you to be safe. We want you to stick around here for as long as possible and be healthy as well. So let's get to our show. Well, earlier this week, unfortunately, we lost a true music entertainment icon. The late, great Charlie Daniels passed away earlier this week. What an icon he was. He just had a string of country music hits that so many people loved and enjoyed. I know that I had the opportunity to interview him uh, when I was in Nashville. I lived in Nashville for about 15, 16, actually 16 years. And I had the chance to to Charlie Daniels, I believe it was like four times, four different interviews. And he was always so much fun, so gracious, so cool and hip and just just bubbly, just so really fun. I look forward to talking to him. One of my favorite Charlie Daniels songs is The Devil Went Down to Georgia. Oh, it's one of my favorite, favorite Charlie Daniels songs. And I got the opportunity to tell him how much I love that song. And my favorite part of that song, I know little Johnny has his, his solo beat in his solo section, but I love it when the Oh my God! Those strings, those fiddles. Those, oh, you gotta! If you've never heard it, go to YouTube or go to where you get your favorite music. And this is a great time to listen to "The Devil Went Down to Georgia." He's looking for a soul. It's such a fun, cool song, and the music is phenomenal. But anyway, I had, as I said, I had the opportunity to chat with uh, the late great Charlie Daniels, and so we're gonna play just a minute, maybe under a minute section uh, segment, I should say, of one of my many interviews with the late, great Charlie Daniels. So let's let's roll that interview right now. Not a clip of it, at least. Charlie Daniels is an icon in country music, but this country music legend loves other styles of music that totally surprised me. Oh, this is some classical music sometimes. Oh, really? Uh, 
I listen to jazz sometimes. I listen to whatever I feel like listening to at the time I listen to. You listen to classics. That's great. Yeah. So what were some yeah. of your favorites among that genre? I love the Beethoven stuff. It's so bombastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree with you. People are shocked that I even listen to certain operas myself. Which is shocking. Well, operas are kind of fun. I took, well, my wife had always wanted to go to one more time and went to a minute, but it was pretty interesting. It is. It was all in Italian. <laughs> I, I don't know why this is, happens with me, but whenever I have seen an Italian opera, I always want to go out and eat Italian food afterwards. What is that? I don't get it. I don't know. Yeah, we were having a lot of fun. I remember exactly where we were when we did that particular interview. But, hey, Charlie Daniels loved jazz, loved opera. Just a well-rounded, you know, love of music. But he produced some of the best country music out here. And and unfortunately, he's uh, not with us anymore. And he left us a legacy of great hits to listen to. So in honor of the late, great Charlie Daniels, we uh, salute you and we thank you for your talents and your fine and wonderful music. Okay, moving right along here, that brings us to our featured guest for this show. Well, for those of you out there who are longtime followers and you love the British royal family, especially the, not, the young royal, royals, I should say, Harry and Meghan and William and Kate and all, you know, this generation. This is a book. My guest has a book that you must run out and get. The author is Dylan Howard, and as I said, he's a best-selling author. This book is titled, the long title of the book is Royals at War, the untold story of Harry and Meghan's shocking split, the House of Windsor. That's a lot to remember, I will say. So if you want the short title, is Royals at War. Dylan Howard is the author. It's a must-read book. It's a must-read book. This book has, now, you know how some people just do a book for the sake of, well, I think I'll do a book because I can. This book has some really solid, tight content in it, and I'll tell you why. Dylan, first of all, Dylan Howard is not just some startup writer. He has a long, extensive track record in breaking some of the top entertainment stories out here. He is the author of the books. Uh, the first one is Diana K. Salt, and his book before this one is Epstein, Dead Men Tell No Tales. So you might, some of you out there may have one or both of those books, so this is a chance to go get the latest one, Royals at War. And Dylan in addition to being a best-selling author, he is uh, he's a reporter, investigative entertainment journalist. He's one of the most feared entertainment journalists in Hollywood when it comes to breaking and busting wide open these different entertainment investigative um, uh, topics. Some of the people that he's reported on and broke stories about the scandal, Mel Gibson, Charlie Sheen, Paul Dean. Uh, when uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, the affair with the, the maid, uh, just some of many. He was right there on the forefront, broke the stories. Uh, yeah, he's quite feared in the circles of uh, A-list Hollywood. And so this particular book, this latest one, Royals at War, he didn't just talk to just anybody. 
he talked to a lot of the British royal family uh, insiders. Uh, he talked to people who were friends and assistants and historians, royal watchers, and other people who have close intimate knowledge about the people of the House of Windsor. So it's a tell-all book. You, you got to read it. Especially, again, if you are a fan of Harry and Meghan, uh, and you know, he kind of he just talks about what they're doing in LA now that they live in America, and just gives us a, a nice view and a glimpse and a view and just some inside stuff of what their life is like as they are now officially uh, residents of Los Angeles. So we are going to bring him on right now. Dylan Howard, author of the just-released new book, Royals at War. So let's roll it with my recent chat with Dylan Howard. How are you? I'm wonderful here. Uh, Just getting ready for some time off, like most of us are. Indeed. Absolutely. Well, let's jump right into it here. You have quite a book here that uh, I know people who are avid fans, I have a couple of friends who I know are going to love this book, Royals at War. Um, Before we get into the book here, though, I want to establish with our listeners just how accomplished you are when it comes to breaking stories with A-list celebrities and, and scandals and such. It's so much you have done that is just amazing. Can you just give us a just a just a tad bit of some of the major stories that you have broken in Hollywood? Oh, look! I mean, I think that might be uh, a little self um, uh, a little self promotion. I, I wouldn't really want to necessarily, as I would say in Australia, toot your own horn too much. But I was uh, heavily involved in the Hollywood scene. Um, for more than a decade, uh, editing um, most of the magazines, uh, with the exception of People magazine. Um, So naturally, I came across very many scoops throughout the course of uh, my career as an editor, um, including the Mel Gibson audio tapes, revealing that Charlie Sheen was HIV positive and that he was uh, having unprotected sex with... Uh, women and others and potentially exposing them to HIV Um, and and some of the stories that I've broken have turned into films like the Underworld Poker Tournament in California in Hollywood uh, with the likes of Ben Affleck, Leonardo DiCaprio and others that ultimately led to Aaron Sorkin adapting it to Molly's Game the Oscar-nominated feature film that came out a few years ago. And also, there are some who have labeled you as the most feared journalist in Hollywood. How do you feel about that title? I'm a big cuddly bear. (laughs) Okay. A a koala. Okay. Well, now that we've just... And I also want to mention that you're a best-selling author, uh, in addition to the book we're about to discuss, but uh, some of your books, Diana... Case Solved, and also Epstein, Dead Men, Dead Men, I should say, Tell No no Tales. But so now you have the current, Royals at War, and I wanted people to just get a, just a brief 
thumbnail of just how established and how successful you are in this type of journalism. So the deal is the new book, Intimate Insight into Megan and Harry's L.A. Life. So what is it like? Where exactly are they, are they living? I've heard all kinds of stories that they're in L.A., but I've heard, so where are they living and what's going on with them right now? Um, they are doing remarkably well. Uh, Harry, according to my sources, um, was emotionally affected by COVID in a way that one could not fathom. He was isolated from his family having made the decision to abdicate from the royal family and to move to California and then be hit with a pandemic and your father be diagnosed with the virus. Your grandmother being, I think she was 93 at the time, she's now 94, um, being susceptible to it and having to be effectively self-quarantining at Windsor Castle. It was very difficult for Prince Harry what we have seen, though, uh, is something that should really be lauded. He has volunteered uh, with Meghan Markle to deliver meals to the homeless. They have, um, and those at, at risk, they have stepped up and supported the Black Lives Matter movement, um, which has been something that has been very uh, important to Meghan herself. And they're also preparing for uh, the launch of their own foundation, Archwell, which is named after uh, the Greek term, which also is the, uh, which is how they derive the name Archie, their son. Um, and and this, this organization has the potential and, and um, uh, capabilities of being one of the most powerful philanthropic organizations in the world. There was a report today in response to uh, the release of my book um, suggesting from a friend close to, to Megan and Harry that they are taking time to establish this foundation and not make a rush into it to ensure that it actually is set up for good cause. So they're keeping themselves very busy at this time and it's really the interesting question, you know, what is life like for someone that has lived inside the gilded cage for so long outside of that cage? It's certainly not... Uh, the new normal that we're experiencing is certainly not what Harry expected. And so, since they're living in L.A., are, are they still bombarded with a lot of heavy paparazzi? And what about security? Do they have a lot of it extensive security now or like they did in London or what? They they do have security, yes. It is uh, security that is paid for by them. In fact, the APD that on uh, some 15, uh, sorry, five occasions uh, that drones had flown over their private residence to try and take photos of them. Now, that is, of course, uh, against California's anti-paparazzi laws. So one must sympathise with them in that sense. But at the same time, when they abdicated from the royal family, it was done so on the say-so that they wanted a quieter life and a life that didn't involve the royal family. Well, they've moved to an area where the limelight shines brighter than anywhere else. And one must question that paradox. 
is the move to avoid the limelight or is the move to make their foundation as successful as that as it can be or is it indeed um, for Megan to pursue her acting career which of course was very successful prior to her quitting the TV show Suits um, we know that they've signed to an agent uh, to, for speaking engagements and this is a couple that derived about $2.7 million um, as a salary as being uh, a member of the royal family paid for by the taxpayers. So obviously they're going to be looking to make money, um, but the question is going to be, are they going to cap it at that amount? Are they going to donate the rest uh, into this R12 foundation? There are a lot of unanswered questions about um, beyond you know, what we know that they're going to do, exactly how that's going to be formed. What is the relationship now like with Megan and her dad? It's, uh, the last I heard from my sources was that it was irretrievably broken. Um, they believe that he had sold them out by participating in a series of set up finance, uh, photos for financial gain. Um, and he continues to go on this media campaign to talk about them. It is at the expense of uh, her relationship with her father, which is very upsetting and very sad, I'm sure, for both parties. Um, at the very centre of that debate is a lawsuit in England uh, whereby um, Megan is suing uh, the Mail newspaper group uh, for allegedly breaching her privacy in the sense that they brought, they published a letter that the father had sent. Um, she has not done so well in this litigation so far. She's lost a couple of key motions. Uh, but again, this, this, this sort of comes back to are the royals ever able to really live a life free of being a royal? The royals don't typically sue media organisations. It's considered behind the scenes unbecoming of a royal to even acknowledge tabloid reporting. So in one sense, um, there are people with inside the upper echelons of Buckingham Palace that are sort of cringing at this litigation. At the same time, it's shaping the modern monarchy and, you know, Kate and William have threatened uh, litigation recently against uh, Tatler magazine, um, even though it was a very positive story. So I think the legal side and how the young royals uh, attempt to deal with the media, which is, uh, you know, a hot-button issue for them, given that they, you know, subscribe to the theory that the media hounded their mother, the Princess of Wales, Diana, to her death. Um, how they handle that moving forward is going to be a fascinating exploration. In your book, you mentioned that Megan's relationship with Harry was viewed as controversial from the start. Is it because of the, the racial aspect of it or something else or a combination of several things? It's a combination of several things. Her behavior and, you know, a lot of the reporting from my book which really is a fair and accurate uh, account and very well balanced. Um, a lot of the reporting has been overlooked about the good that Megan has done in her life and the good that Harry has done in his life. And I think it's important to uh, uh, bookend 
what I'm about to say with that notion. But it's true that the uh, royal family um, tried very hard for Megan to fit in. The Queen allowed her to go on her personal train, something she doesn't or has never afforded Harry and William. Um, she gave her diamond earrings and her choice of any of the royal jewellery for her wedding. They made a very big effort to include her into the, the royal family. That said, uh, Meghan was said to be very demanding uh, in the months after her uh, wedding. A number of aides had either quit or been reassigned within the royal family. And she was nicknamed the Duchess Diva, Princess Pushy. And there has been an acknowledgement of sorts in the wake of our book to come out that, um, you know, uh, they have said such things that um, they're going to make sure they do things right moving forward. And I think that is a subtle acknowledgement to the fact that their abdication from the monarchy was not handled well. And perhaps Meghan's uh, brief period as a royal um, member of the household of the House of Windsor was not necessarily smooth sailing. And so how much truth is it, according to your sources, because we know we all had heard that there was a tension, shall we say, between Kate and Meghan. Is, is, how much truth is that? There, there is a tremendous amount of tension. Um, firstly, uh, Kate was very close to Harry. She's now not. Um, she would spend a lot of time with him. Uh, when Megan arrived on the scene, that became less and less and less over time. Um, we report about uh, the Queen and Kate's concerns about Megan um, and how they pack, created a pact that they would try to guide her through royal life, which is fundamentally different to being a Hollywood star or being you or me. So um, she did ruffle royal feathers, and some of those feathers were Kate's. I'll give you an example. The day of her wedding, she insisted that the bridal party uh, not wear tights, as is customary and part of royal tradition. Um, Kate said it's royal tradition that people should have to wear tights. So little Princess Charlotte ultimately didn't wear tights to the wedding. Um, against royal protocol, which uh, caused yet another divide between her and Kate. Kate was said to also have been upset that Meghan and Harry didn't follow the traditional royal protocol of when giving birth to an heir to the throne, of um, introducing that heir to the British people by way of a photo shoot at the front of the hospital. They waited some two weeks and it was even a week after that that, 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 that they actually first met baby Archie. So there, there were things about the royal household that Kate subscribes to, that Megan didn't, and that caused the divide between them. Quite interesting. i got a couple of more questions here. I could talk to you all day. Um, and so what about the brothers harry and william uh, what is their relationship is it still close or, or what is it like 
it's certainly not as close as what it was. I mean, there was an unbreakable bond between these two. That doesn't exist anymore. COVID, though, has been something that has conjoined them back together um, and their shared concern over their father, who was diagnosed with the deadly virus, and their grandmother. So uh, they are back talking. They hadn't been talking. And you can remember that infamous uh, uh, incident where they actually appeared together uh, in one of Harry's final appearances as a royal and there were icy looks at the church uh, for a commemorative celebration and no words were exchanged between Harry and Megan and Kate and, and William and um, words or lack thereof speak a thousand words and that really just showed just how bad things had gotten between the two couples. This is a question I have often wondered, I'm sure others as well. Uh, has any of Megan's African-American side of her family relatives, have? do you know, have they met Harry or any members of the royal family or what? I don't know. I certainly know that the mother Doria has. Yeah. Um, she had uh, an afternoon with the Queen at one point. Um, and that was part of the reason to move back to California as well, is that the mother does live there. As for the wider family, no, I don't know of any um, involvement that they've had with the royal family or anything like that. But um, you have to understand, you know, as I said earlier about bookending the sensational topics about them with some context and perspective, as a tender 10-year-old, it was Megan who wrote to Procter and Gamble and complained about a sexist commercial. She also wrote to the First Lady, Hillary Clinton, um, and that commercial was ultimately changed. Whether it was changed as a result of Meghan Markle or not, the issue of uh, sexism and racism has been one that she took up from a, ver a very young age and in many ways was I, it's hard to say, but ahead of the curve in trying to right the wrongs of the um, of, of the culture, culture war that we're experiencing at the moment. And finally, um, according to any of your sources, do are there plans for Megan and Harry to have more children, or, or what? I think they would like to. Yes. Um, uh, it's certainly going to be a different upbringing for for that child. That child. Um, would technically be a member of the royal family, yet at the same time not. Um, they would be an heir to the throne. Unlikely they ever would ever sit in or wear the crown. Um, but you also have to consider uh, genetics. I mean, Megan is getting older, um, and if a baby is to happen, it's, it's going to have to happen sooner rather than later. Um, so it could be anyone's guess. Absolutely. Definitely my last question. What if all of this moving to America, Hollywood, L.A., what if it just doesn't work out? Or do you think Harry and Meghan, can they go back to England and pick up where they left off? Or how does that work? I mean, nobody knows because not since the abdication of King George in 1936 has there been such a royal household crisis like this. So it would be unprecedented for them to ask, I guess, for forgiveness and be welcomed back into the family. I'm sure they would be. Um, they left with the blessing of the Queen, albeit they, the Queen was not impressed with the way in which it was handled. 
publicly as opposed to how the royals traditionally handle things privately, quietly, um, and and uh, with sophistication behind closed doors. So there are some bridges that have been burned that need to be rebuilt before they could potentially ever go back into the royal family. It's not their intent at this point, so it might well end up being a moot point. We might have our own members of the royal family living in the United States for the rest of their lives. And that would be kind of fun in a way, I think. It would would be fun, yeah. I mean, it certainly would give the tabloids a lot of fodder moving forward. Well, Dylan, what's next for you? I mean, this book in itself is is enough, but, I mean, you seem like you're just always on the forefront of exciting uh, entertainment journalism. So what's your – I know you have a very successful also uh, production company as well, but uh, something else we can look forward to? Yes, indeed. Uh, I actually have a book coming out next week. Uh, It just so happened that um, I had been working on this particular book, Royals at War, for about six months, uh, maybe a little bit longer. Um, I've been working on the other book for a year and a half, or about a year, I should say. Um, It's called Bad, an Unprecedented Investigation into the Michael Jackson cover-up. And the purpose of this book was, in many ways, to litigate a lot of the claims that have been made about Michael Jackson. I grew up in Australia dancing to Thriller and enjoying his music. There is the Michael Jackson fan group that just adore him still and refuse to accept any published report about him that might be negative in nature. So I particularly personally wanted to write this book because I wanted to explore whether the person who has been described by a lawyer as having run one of the world's most sophisticated child sex trafficking rings, which obviously now has been eclipsed by Jeffrey Epstein, Um, whether or not he was that predator, um, and it was part fueled by this, um, this hatred of me that the Michael Jackson establishment of fans had, and, you know, they've not read the book yet, they're very critical of the book, and I can tell you it's a very fair and balanced portrayal of, of the Michael Jackson situation. That comes out on July 7, uh, and then I'm working on a sequel to my Epstein book, Epstein, Dead Man Tell No Tales, called Epstein, Inc., How the U.S. Government Made Blackmail Big Business, um, which is a long-form investigative project with two co-authors, which I believe will shake the very foundations of um, the government institutions involved. I would love for you to come back uh, on the show. Anytime. Talk. I would love that. Uh, I was, I'm with you. I was a long time diehard Michael Jackson fan. Prince was great too, but Michael was my guy. I just loved his music so much. So I, oh my goodness, I'm just listening to in my head the questions I'd like to ask you about that book. So we will get in touch with your your PR people about rescheduling you to come back on to talk about. Uh, the Michael Jackson book, and then later on the uh, the follow-up. I guess it's a follow-up to the Epstein book, or is it just a t- totally different book? It's a follow-up. It's the sequel to the Epstein book, which okay. will be released uh, in late September, early October. Oh, yeah. We've we got to have you come back. But in the meantime, all of you out there who are long-time diehard fans of the Royals, the Young Royals, I should say, Royals at War is your book. While we're all still semi-mostly on lockdown, why not read some books? I think this is a great way to uh, get some insight. You are the guy 
that's the king of the inside when it comes to high-profile celebrities. And I just thank you so much, Dylan, for, for chatting with me. Cleared up a lot of my questions, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much for the kind words. I do appreciate it. And everyone in Las Vegas, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, go out and pick yourself up a copy of the book to keep yourself uh, uh, busy during this uh, awful time that we're all experiencing. Absolutely. And, experiencing. Uh, yeah, and we'll look forward to talking to you very soon about the new Michael Jackson book that's coming out. Terrific. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, that is best-selling author Dylan Howard. Wow, a lot regarding Nathan and Harry. And there's even more. Get the book, uh, Royals at War. You can get that book at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the places where books are sold. Um, you know, you know where to go. Wherever you get your books, that's where to go get them. Get it. And his other books. Maybe you want his other, his two other books, as I said, that he's done. And uh, good to hear that they are settling in. They're working on their foundation. They are, um, you know, adjusting such. And as he was saying, I think with, uh, you know, some of the members of the royal family earlier, coming down with the coronavirus that kind of uh, caused a lot of them to take the edge off of whatever whatever the conflict was. And everybody just kind of said, hey, let's just rethink. You know, we're all related here. We all really love each other in spite of our differences. It sounds like they have kind of worked it all out. So we wish them the best, Harry and Megan. And um, they are now citizens of... Um, I don't know if they're official as far as, you know, they haven't moved their whole, been up their royal citizenship yet. They are residents, I should say, residents of Los Angeles, wherever that is, in the somewhere, you know, it's nice, of course. And uh, we'll just see what happens. We will follow them as always. Kind of sounds like the paparazzi is not as bad. As it was in England, because everywhere we go is going to be some pops. You know that they're they're going to be there, but it just kind of sounds like they're a little bit kind of turned the volume down a little bit on the paparazzi. You know they're being respectful. So anyway, the book again, Royals at War. The author is Dylan Howard, and we look forward to having Dylan coming back on the show. Uh, sometime in September to talk about, as he said, his next book uh, about Michael Jackson. Is there anything left to say? I guess when you're a superstar, there's always something left. But we'll get that book and we'll find out and we'll bring him back on, as I said. So listen, that's going to do it for this edition of Film Festival Radio Show. Thank you guys for listening. As always, you can reach us, one hello, info at filmfestivalradio.com There is a radio version of our show that airs on KSHP 1400 Radio in Las Vegas and the show is every Saturday from 3 to 4 p.m. West Coast time and you can hear it anywhere in the world because the station streams live so if you go to uh, their home website homepage KSHP uh, dot com. I'm not sure I got that right. The KSHP Radio, or K, I think it's KSHP.com, I believe. 
want to make sure I got that right. And go to that page. Yeah, it's kshp.com. Go to that page and click on it, and then you will see uh, to the upper right-hand corner, it says Listen Live. Click on that Listen Live, and then you will see another button that starts their live stream. And that's where you can hear the show. You can hear any any of their shows in KSHP anywhere in the world because they stream live. We would love it if you join us again every Saturday, 3 till 4 p.m. West Coast time, and you can hear the radio version of our show. It's just as much fun. We have great guests, all of them. So, okay, we're out of here. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys next time on another edition of Film Festival Radio Show. Stay safe happy and stay healthy. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com.